This is Dr. David Whitlock with your Monday morning wake-up call, a podcast designed to help people wake up to the possibilities that surround them every day and become the person they're meant to be in Jesus Christ. Today's podcast is brought to you by Kenny Smith. Last week, we went to Texas where Bobby and Vicki Smith give to our ministry. They send in a contribution every month. Kenny Smith in Southwest Louisiana, Sulphur to be exact, goes online and he gives by way of PayPal. And he has a way that he gives every month. You can give either way. Both are great. You can go to the webpage and see exactly how you can give. I just want to thank you for listening today. It happened on Monday. On this Monday in August, 50 years ago, Satchel Paige was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame as the first Negro League veteran to receive a nomination for that Hall of Fame. For seven minutes that day, Paige reminisced about his four-decade career in the Negro Leagues. We have to remember Satchel Paige was not the first African-American to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. That honor belongs to Jackie Robinson, who was the first black player inducted in 1962. And seven years later, in 1969, Robinson was joined by his former teammate, Roy Campanella. Those two baseball legends were recognized for their accomplishments in their Major League Baseball careers, but Satchel Paige had only a few professional years outside the Negro Leagues. Well, let's set this in its historical context for black athletes, particularly those who excelled in baseball in that generation. Because historically, black people were not being accepted into the major and minor leagues due to racism in the United States, way back when, actually, in the 1880s, they formed their own teams and made professional teams. The first known baseball game between two black teams was actually November 15, 1859, in New York City. It wasn't until almost 90 years later, in 1947, that Jackie Robinson signing with the Brooklyn Dodgers, broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball. And that's quite a story. It wasn't until a year after that, when Jackie Robinson entered the league, the next year Satchel Paige signed with the then Cleveland Indians, now the Cleveland Guardians. But when Jackie Robinson signed, he was beginning his professional baseball career at the age of 28. Even... That was a relatively advanced age for baseball. But Satchel Paige, Paige was 42 when he finally was able to move from the Negro Leagues to Major League Baseball, and that made him the oldest rookie ever to play Major League Baseball, 42 years old. So although he was making his debut in Major League Baseball in 1948, he certainly wasn't beginning his baseball career. Satchel Paige, born Leroy Page, P-A-G-E, was born on July 7, 1906 in Mobile, Alabama. Page's family changed the spelling of their name from Page to P-A-I-G-E, Page, to differentiate themselves from John Page. Uh, That was Leroy's absent and abusive father. Where did Leroy get the name Satchel? Well, he got his nickname as a boy while working as a luggage carrier at the Mobile train station. He created some kind of contraption for carrying the satchels, thus the name earning him the sobriquet Satchel. When he was 12, he had a habit for skipping school. 
And then when he was caught shoplifting, that, that got him a room in the Industrial School for Negro Children in Mount Meigs, Alabama. That probably saved him. Not only did it keep him out of trouble, but he learned to play baseball. Particularly, he learned to pitch. After leaving the school, Satchel turned pro. Page began pitching semi-pro ball in 1924 when he was 17, then debuted in the Negro Leagues in 1926 for the Chattanooga Black Lookouts. Satchel Page went on to star in the Negro Leagues of the 1920s and 1930s, winning four Negro American League pennants with the Kansas City Monarchs from 1940 to 1946. But because of the color of his skin, Page was barred from Major League Baseball until July 1948 when he was past 40 years of age and seemingly at the end of his career. Eyewitnesses said that Satchel Page was one of the best pitchers baseball would ever see. He was something of a showman. Page would tell his teammates, <laughs> and I love this story, he would tell his teammates to come and actually sit down in the, in the, on the field. And then he would go and strike out all the batters on his own. So here he is pitching, mows down all the batters with all of his, all of his teammates sitting in the field. That's pretty confident, I'd say. He had a deadly, accurate fastball. In an estimated 2,600 innings pitched, Page registered more than 200 wins and impressively more than 2,100 strikeouts. That's just unbelievable. And those numbers themselves are incomplete. Many of his stats were um, unrecorded because they were in the Negro Leagues. In the late 1930s, he developed arm problems for the first time. He pitched so often. He later joked that he he could walk slowly out to the mound because he wasn't worried. They couldn't start without him. He pitched so often. They were all waiting for him to get there. Kansas City Monarchs owner J.L. Wilkinson signed Page to his B team and gave him time to heal. Within a year, his shoulder, Page's shoulder, had recovered and his fastball returned. But as he aged, the control he used to use to dazzle fans became his primary weapon as a pitcher. Eric Stoll, vice president of exhibitions and collections at the Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame, said Page was probably the biggest drawing card in the history of the Negro Leagues. Stroll went on to say, When you say that he is a legend and one of the greatest players of all time, it may seem like an exaggeration and it's hard to quantify and qualify, but I think probably undoubtedly that was true in terms of the length and swath of his career. So said Eric Stoll. Well, that would, they would occasionally have exhibition games between the Negro Leagues and Major League Baseball players. In the prime of Satchel Page's Negro League career, New York Yankees outfielder Joe DiMaggio once described Page as the, quote, best and fastest, end quote, pitcher he had ever played against. And then in 1966, something remarkable happened. Former Boston Red Sox star Ted Williams was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And in his speech, he mentioned the exclusion of Page and other black players from the Baseball Hall of Fame. Here's what Joe DiMaggio said. I hope that someday the names of Satchel Page and Josh Gibson 
in some way can be added as a symbol of the great Negro players that are not here only because they were not given the chance. Now, he said that in 1966 amid the civil rights movement when it was in full swing. Members of the Baseball Writers Association of America, the body responsible for selecting Hall members, took note and they created a committee in 1969 to advocate for Negro League inductions. Bowie Kuhn, the Major League Baseball commissioner at that time, was all for it. With Kuhn's help, the Hall of Fame formed their Negro League committee in 1971, comprised of several men, including Roy Campanella and black sport writers Sam Lacey and Wendell Smith. They were charged with evaluating the merits of past players and executives for inclusion and they announced Page was their inaugural nominee in February of 1971. They immediately met with some opposition. How could the players from the Negro League be in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame when those players from the Negro League didn't meet the minimum of 10 years playing in the Major Leagues, a requirement of other Major League Baseball inductees? But, of course, the response is they were professionals. They just weren't allowed the chance to compete for none other than racial reasons. Maybe it was an effort to placate the opposition, or maybe it was just a blind spot, or maybe they simply, well, caved in because of fear. But the committee decided to honor Page, the first inductee from the Negro League, get this, in a separate section, apart from the other Major League inductees. Well, the long and short of that was that instead of appearing like a tribute, the move was viewed by many as another form of segregation. So at a packed press conference on February 9, 1971, the committee made their announcement of Page's unanimous election. Now, sadly, instead of it being a proud moment for Satchel Page and for baseball, it looked like the inductees from the Negro League would be, once again, second-class citizens. Page accepted this separate but unequal decision. He said, I'm proud to be wherever they put me. Hmm. The media didn't accept it. Columnist Jim Murray for the Los Angeles Times said this, The notion of Jim Crow and baseball's heaven is appalling. What is this, 1840? Either let him in the front of the hall or move the damn thing to Mississippi. Okay, so the controversy begins. Murray was, of course, referring to Jim Crow laws, laws adopted in a post-Civil War era in America, the United States, that lasted until, well, almost 100 years, until about 1968. The main purpose of those laws was to legalize the marginalization, the segregation of African Americans. Jackie Robinson, for his part, suggested that Page boycott the induction. But again, Page said, I'm happy to be wherever they put me. Larry Ty, author of the 2009 biography Satchel, The Life and Times of an American Legend, talked about this painful experience for Satchel Page. He says, Satchel had dealt with so much affront that I think he took it with quite a bit of class when they offered to let him into the segregated hall. But it clearly was devastating to him. Privately, Satchel seethed. He told his friends, the only change is that baseball has turned Page from a second-class citizen 
to a second-class immortal. Well, thankfully, on July 7th, that was Satchel's 65th birthday, saner heads prevailed, and American League Baseball Commissioner Bowie Kuhn and Hall of Fame President Paul Carr announced Page's plaque would hang not in a separate hall, but the main hall. Satchel said, I guess they finally found out I was really worthy. I appreciate it to the highest. Following his induction, he spoke frankly with reporters on a variety of topics, and someone asked him if he would be interested in becoming the first Major League Baseball black manager. And Satchel Page, interestingly enough, said, I could manage easy. I've been in baseball 40 years, and I want to manage. But then he offered this reason as to why it wouldn't happen. I don't think the white is ready to listen to the colored yet. Page went on to say, that's why they're afraid to get a black manager. They're afraid everybody won't take orders from him. You know, there are plenty of qualified guys around, end quote. Well, four years later, one of those qualified guys, Frank Robinson, would in fact become the first to cross that racial divide when the Cleveland Guardians, then the Cleveland Indians, hired him to manage the team. Page's comments had in fact set the wheels in motion and others, both black managers of baseball and inductees into the Hall of Fame from the Negro Leagues, would come after him. At the end of the ceremony that day, when he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, he said, I am the proudest man on earth today, and my wife and sister and sister-in-law and my sons all feel the same. It's a wonderful day, and one man who appreciates it is Leroy Satchel Page. So what can we say about that day, August 9th, 1971? Obviously, it marks the inclusion of an overlooked contribution of black athletes, in this case, baseball. Sadly, when it occurred, there was still the residue of traces of separate but unequal thinking. Only after the committee was called out by the media for planning a separate room for those who had made their contribution in the Negro Leagues did the committee make things right. But by then people had been hurt. And it points to the, the approach of many African-American athletes in that era. Page privately seethed, yet he was hurt. Outwardly, at least, he was graceful, but inside he was damaged. So I'm trying to understand and sympathize with Page and the culture in which he lived in a segregated United States. It's often easy for us to say he shouldn't have put up with that. Or he should have done something, but we weren't there. He said, proud to be wherever they put me. Unfortunately, left to itself, that would have been at the back of the bus. The world looks so different then. It's difficult, or was difficult, for many to see the possibility of another world, another way, which should challenge us as Christians to see in the true sense of the ancient Hebrew concept of the prophetic role, the principles of justice and righteousness in God's kingdom coming to bear on a society that needs to be kinder, gentler, more loving and accepting of all people. Hopefully, seeing through the eyes of Christ, we as believers can work for truth and justice in the situations in which we find ourselves right now. And then again, Maybe Satchel Page was more savvy in his response than I'm giving him credit for. For years, he would hire himself out to the highest bidder 
the team that would pay him the most to pitch for them. He was something of the, of the precursor of the free agency system in baseball. And in fact, he was envied as a savvy businessman in the sense that he knew how to put on a show and he knew how to draw a crowd. He knew how to play it. And so maybe his words, maybe his words, proud to be wherever they put me, had a different intent by Satchel Page. Maybe they were meant to engender a sympathy for him that would in fact ignite a backlash of support for him as a black athlete who had been dismissed. As the saying goes, honey attracts better than vinegar. And regardless, through it all, he was able to keep and maintain a positive attitude. Here's one of my favorite Satchel Page quotes. Work like you don't need the money. Love like you've never been hurt. Dance like nobody's watching. I have that hanging in my office. Here's another great one. He said, I never threw an illegal pitch. The trouble is, once in a while, I toss one that ain't never been seen by this generation. <laughs> and another one, age is a question of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. And then another one I, I have in my office, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? Great question. Here's his suggestions for how to keep young, and I'll close with this. Number one, avoid fried meats, which angry up the blood. <laughs> Number two, if, you stomach dis if your stomach disputes you, lie down and pacify it with cool thoughts. Number three, keep the juices flowing by jangling around as gently as you move. Number four, go very light on the vices, such as carrying on in society. The social ramble ain't restful. Number five, avoid running at all times. And number six, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you. With that in mind, my friend, you keep running. Don't look back and come back here and join me next week. And in the meantime, go out and be the person God created you to be.